things to be able to pray for. Obviously, you have heard globally that Israel is at war. It's not a skirmish. War has been declared by them, rightfully so. They were attacked, and their sovereignty as a nation, and in particular, the manner by which they were attacked requires that. And so we want to be in prayer. We have our missionaries over there. That would be Spencer and Kylie. They're in the northern region because there's been the question about how are they doing. So you have the southern region, Gaza Strip. That's where the attack happened. If you've been keeping posted, perhaps over a thousand or more innocent civilians who have been intentionally killed as well as IDF soldiers, both men and women. Amir Safadi is keeping pretty tuned and abreast on that. You can look in his telegram if you'd like to see some of the current details that are going on. But it is important to take note, we addressed this uh, yesterday at the men's study. It's important that uh, as we look at the scriptures and make our comparisons with current events, it is the word of God. And that would be, and you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet. For nation will rise up against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. So there was a new earthquake that happened, a 6.7 or something like that. Um, I believe that is in Afghanistan. Am I correct on that? Uh, loss of life. And so we're looking at cataclysmic events. And the world will tell you it's because of climate change, global warming. But I mentioned with the guys yesterday, I think it's more accurately a godly warning that time is short. And we could be anywhere. We're here right now, and that's an important place to occupy. Spencer and Kylie are in an important place to occupy. If they would have been in the southern region, there would have been more grave concern. There was a terrible assault that happened, and some young adults who were having what we would call a fellowship opportunity. There was a party going on and over 200 plus college where young adults rounded up and shot. So I say that because it is horrific. There aren't necessarily guarantees of the innocent, but by and large, even civil communities endeavor to spare those who are not the warriors. And so it's a hard thing to both see, but we have to be mindful. It's the word of God. It's going to happen, but Israel's not going to be displaced. And so we need to be praying for them. Kylie and Spencer have both mentioned that they are on alert, meaning that um, the home that 
Stephen Flores and his wife Irena uh, Occupy actually has a bomb shelter built in it. And we actually, Christy and I, that was our room in our tenure there. And so they've offered to open that up. Not a big room, but it is a room. And then Carl Polinkas, who's one of our pastors up the coast in Florence Church on the Rock, he's there presently with Zechariah's Hope. And in being there, there is a kibbutz which Zechariah's Hope operates from. And it really borders Lebanon. The fence line between Israel and Lebanon is right there. Lebanon is a potential attack zone, by the way. And so that's why they have been as well simply put on alert that all bomb shelters are resupplied and ready if there's that call to move in for protection. So we don't know how long this will be. We know that every time, though, someone messes with Israel, they get messed up pretty badly. That's what we do know. That's a guarantee. And we hope that that's put under, you know, subdued very quickly. And it is interesting that after the U.S. released $6 billion or something like that to Iran, that this was pretty much financed probably in that we behave stupidly at times and more frequently than we ought to as a nation that should look to God and to protect assets that can be used against both our allies and ultimately against us. So I leave that as it is. I'm going to pray for Israel right now with you. Lord, we ask for your blessings. This is right for us to speak truth. It is right for us to, as well, be considerate in both that which is drawing empathy from us and sympathy, because we do care about the innocent. We also care about those who, in their professional status, are defenders of their nations. In particular, we realize that the IDF are extraordinary warriors, and we pray for, again, the anointing upon Benjamin Netanyahu for what is the management of the skill sets of the military. We do pray that these who are against Israel would repent, for if they do not, then they have inherited for themselves an eternal destination that is not with God. And so we pray that these people who, by and large, are godless and do deeds of wickedness, because of that, they would turn to you, they would see you, perhaps in the very eyes of the innocent that they have intentionally harmed. We want to offer this as well up to you that you'd protect all of the ministries that are there presently to the southern region, to the northern region, Mediterranean, Far East. We ask that you bless and keep them, prosper them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. thought this would be important too. Because I kept it somewhat confidential on Thursday night, but alluded to the fact that when Thursday was over, and that was a wonderful time to be in here. If you were here, it was our worship evening was great. Um, but I said, in following this, I'm heading over to the cross because I have things that I want to have prayed for. And so I left it kind of ambiguous, but I will tell you now what I went over there for. So on Wednesday night, some somewhere in our Wednesday evening, 
um, our 19-year-old cat, Gracie, decided to take a walk with God and not return. We don't know. She just took a walk. We let her out. She'd shown us that we could trust her. She'd make the rounds and come back to the door, and this time she didn't. So she's been with us a long time. And so we went into prayer that evening and had an expectation we'd see her in the morning, and we didn't. So I took a class on Friday, but I help oversee the classes on Thursday. And I said, I just want to share with you students that this is what's happened. We've lost our cat. I think it's fair to be able to pray for our cat. The Bible teaches about those who have animals and show compassion to them. That's reasonable. It's a high expectation. Jesus is a shepherd. David was a shepherd boy. So God gives us things that we indeed appreciate in, in our animal tending. And so I actually had the students pray for Gracie and left it at that. So that's Thursday morning and then Thursday night is when I went over to the cross. And when I went over to the cross, the guys were in a prayer huddle. It was tight. Couldn't even break through because <laughs> they were having a breakthrough. They were, they were really talking to the Lord. But I cut in and I said, so this is where I'm at. We've lost our cat. And that's been Wednesday night. This is now Thursday night. It doesn't look really good right now for what is her vitality. But Dennis and Rebecca, they just specifically prayed. The details were extraordinary. Because at times you would blush to listen at how specifically they were praying and their expectation in the prayer. And I just said, Amen. It was specific. And so Thursday evening closed. And what you don't know is that I couldn't rush out of here, but Christy did. She didn't hear the prayer. She heard of the prayer. And she raced home to find Gracie on the porch. But Gracie wasn't on the porch <laughs> yet. So here's what happened. Thursday closes, Friday morning, we faced off with just, oh, on the porch. And then Friday morning, oh, no porch yet. How long can she hold out? We got a call yesterday, uh, Saturday afternoon, two or three, something like that. Hi. Really? That's awesome. We'll be there in just a few minutes. Click. Rich, Gracie's been found. Where? On a porch. That's awesome. Their porch became our porch. The cat took a mountain climb up, you know, our area. It's just a mountain. And so Marina Heights led us to this house. It was just up. And this guy greeted us, actually waved from the deck because he knew I was even frightened about taking the car up his driveway. So I met two great neighbors that we've never met before who had a kind heart concerning a cat, and Gracie met us, and 
You know, it's kind of like, what were you worried about? So I did want to share that to you because nothing that you could ask for prayer about, you should be embarrassed. I just humbled myself. What if I hadn't? I wonder if I hadn't, if the alternative would have been something different. But it, I was actually going to almost bring her to dinner. I thought, no, that's, it's, it's such a great elementary drama, though. But he found what was lost, what our hearts were troubled with. And then my test, what if it, they prayed so specifically? I don't want to let them down. I don't think it would have let them down because they prayed both in faith. And when you pray in faith, the results are left to the Lord. But I did think that that was a triumphant story that deals with what we are to be doing. When the service concludes and the invitation is given to meet over for prayer, if I could pray for a cat, do you think that the Lord would be less attentive to something even maybe more important to you than that? So I'm just saying, if you are one that needs prayer, that's a place, or where you're seated is a place, surprisingly next to a person you don't even know, and I met two neighbors that, guess what I was able to do? God bless you guys today. I said, I pastor a church, and this is really important to me, and I'm going to share what the Lord's done for us. And so it's just really important. There's a seed planted in their minds. And by the way, one of the guys there is actually an EMT who works with Robbie Rowe. So I had a connection with them. And they know, obviously, the CEO of Cal or Lifelights. And that's Dan, and he was here at uh, Michael's memorial service with the Herzogs. There's connections that happen, all because the Lord decided to use this cat who maybe for her last run was able to point two men to a pastor just down the hill from him. So here we go. We're going to be in chapter 12 right now of Proverbs to pursue the closure of it. We'll see how close we can get, but my heart's filled with just a lot of, I think, stuff that God has put on it to be able to share. So if I don't get more than three verses, we're just going to call it good because God's good, and that's just the way it works sometimes. So return to Proverbs chapter 12. Retain, though, presently what you heard Jesus saying to his men. There's going to be wars. There's going to be earthquakes. They're happening the frequency of their occurrences is undeniable. We're in the last days. It should be important for us to say, let us live in these last days as if it is the last day. But let us pray. Let us pray that while we are here, we can say, Lord, I know you're going to answer us. I know you're going to do good things through us. And let's stay alert. Let's exercise our faith in a manner that is pleasing to God and that may be so out of the realm of practical solution, God just decides to say, that's the way I work in miracles too. It was practical to others. It was miraculous to you. And so in chapter 12, we left off last week in this one area which was both extolling the virtues of, in particular, a wife for who she is to a man. Last night, 
Christy and I decided to watch a version of a Bible story. The Bible version of this story, I thought was well done. I had not seen it before. You know, you can see many episodes of David and Goliath and impressed with some, most often when they were produced, not too impressive. But there was one that was done not too long ago, and I believe it was called A Night with the King. It was very well done. I thought very impressive. There was very little spared on, if you would, the set. It was magnificent. The characters, I thought, were well-read. Mordecai, the older cousin, and charge of Esther, Haditha. She was a very beautiful actress. This other version wasn't that version. It was called Esther, and it was produced in the year 2000. The set was simpler, and she was actually a simpler version of, in my opinion, the more complex version of A Night with the King. Here's what I'm getting at. Because you need to understand in this principle of what God sees. He sees us, you and I, as his bride. We're crowned because he has crowned us. What we wear, which is impossible to fully appreciate, is directly linked to his authority to give us his kingdom. And I found that in this version, both impressed with the simplicity of Esther, she was beautiful, but simply different than the one who starred in A Night with the King. And the king in that version was different than the king in the version we watched last night. The king's temperament was different. He was more emotional. He was at times very feeble in his governance. He was one that could be both confident in certain decisions but lacking he was one who went into waves of depression. And in this, the predicament was for him, as in the Bible version, is that his queen had refused to participate in an activity that he had summoned her for. It was beneath her to be with him in what would be a convention of royalty, a feast. She refused. Her name was Vasti, and he basically, because of the embarrassment of that, the humiliation, was counseled, let her go. Let her go. Because you don't humiliate a king in those days. And in my opinion, we could also say, and you don't humiliate our king these days. We can do it, but we ought not to. Praise God for his mercy and his grace, but we ought not humiliate our king. And praise God, he is a God that, unlike Ahasuerus, doesn't 
send us out, take our crown. He comes back in with the plan of kindness, of a redemptive work, and he shows us his love, right? That's true. Unlike any other God that man has invented in their mind, it's always do, do, give, give, perfect, better, or else. God takes us in our imperfections, and this is where I'm getting in this, and he says, I'm going to perfect that in you. I'm going to make a difference in what is your lacking. We here in our mind, and it's true, we've read it in the scriptures, you've been weighed in the balance and found wanting. By the way, I went to the scales today. I wanted to be weighed in the balance. I was suffering from condemnation. And so I just said, oh, Lord, I want this to be what I need it to be, just progress shown. And so I go in there for the truth, and I look down to find truth, and it was not there. I'm willing to be honest with myself. I'm willing to gravitate towards change. Where's the scales? They're so accurate. I put two batteries in. I mean, when you have a scale that has two batteries, it's serious about what it wants to tell you. And the Lord just whispered to me. He said this. You're familiar with it. Romans 8. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Well, Lord, I don't want to condemn myself, but I, I do want to perfect myself, and this is the way I've got to do it. Confrontation. I've got to be the man that confronts this thing that says, this is who I am now. And so I shrugged my shoulders, but I went on the look for another scale. There's got to be another one. So I go through the kitchen, because I know we have several of them. And my eyes took me up a stairway. It wasn't a stairway to heaven, but it was a stairway to truth. I just wanted to find out why my heart was condemning me. So I found it on the stairway, and I brought it down to the kitchen, and I stepped on it with boldness. Now I'm going to get my answer. And here's what it said, low. What? It didn't say air, it said low. And I just laughed. I just had to laugh because the implications were, it's not as high as it was, it's lower than you need to know. And the other is, humble thyself in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. But it's not a stairway to heaven. He shall lift you up. In your despair, your failure, he will lift you up. You may say, this is a long story from Esther. But see, we all go through these things because she was in a place in this biblical account where she did not want to be. But God, in his sovereignty, appointed her to be in a place that was at land's distance from Jerusalem, but in a neighboring community that was completely Jewish, but it was interrupted because the king had dismissed his queen 
And the call was, go out and find the virgins of the land and bring them in. And that's who she was. She was another option for the king. God had sovereignly prepared a rescue through Esther that she wouldn't have been able to know at all. And as much as she may have wanted to cling to the doorposts of her house to scream out to Mordecai, save me. It shows her, as in other renditions, obediently moving through the dirt of the city in an entourage of the maidens that were virgins to be prepared to stand before the king and to be judged. And the judgment was important because if they failed the judgment, they failed getting the position as queen and their occupancy and status wouldn't have been go home. They would have been those who were relegated to a position of a concubine, a glorified concubine, a woman that could satisfy the king at his whim, whatever. That's the way they did it. Chapter 12 at this juncture is telling us the value of the woman in the position of being the wife of a husband. And as I said last week, it would imply to me, men, not to God, that we are commoners apart from her. Somehow the Lord would take this woman, and one thing that I did appreciate in her drama is that she had a quivering lip when there was the necessity of showing strength in the unknown. She definitely had the provocation of fear. What's going to happen to me? Why am I in this position? Why should I even want to go through with this? But what you continually see in her and in the story of Esther is submission and trust that unless she's at the top, she will be relegated to be simply among the other maidens and what we would say today, usury, just human usury. But what she trusted in is who we as a church must trust in, and that's the sovereign hand of God, that our favor from his, him is so extraordinary, one cannot deny the choice that they must make as a result of it. You have a relationship with God that I don't have. How could this be? To be quite honest, I know this sounds weird, but I'm his bride. Yeah, that does sound weird. Well, actually, culturally, it's not sounding so weird these days, is it? But the difference is, this is a pure and holy definition of being a bride. And I don't live in condemnation like you do. And I'm not looking for the things that satisfy me as I once did. My satisfaction is coming from God. And I believe that the position that he has given to me is both a sovereign placement and it's an accomplished purpose. I at times mess up. I find myself struggling on the scales of life, the balance that says this is where I'm at, this is what I ought to be doing, but I fall far short of the glory of God. And then I realize, wow, I'm both typical and I'm also distinct. The humanity in me makes me typical, but the spirit of God makes me distinct. And what God wants me to do is to remain 
on the course of an election and selection that he has purposed for me to get, regardless of what I may have thought about it, or even the chances of honestly being set apart for him. This picture is important as well because of the dysfunction that we have both in our world today and misunderstanding God's appointment for husbands and wives. We've talked about it before that Ephesians is very clear. Distinctly remember this, love and respect. Well, I don't love though. Well, if God is love, and if it is from him, then it must be something that he can revive in us. Love is of God. God is love. Therefore, it is not the title. Nothing from nothing is nothing but something. Something has to say to me, I'm wrong then. If God is love and love is of God and I don't feel love, then I have the problem and God's the one that because that's his nature and I'm violating it, he can change in me. He changed it in Esther's heart. You see, for her, it wasn't marrying perhaps somebody that may have been her boyfriend back in her village. It was actually relegating herself to one she did not know, one who was absolutely pagan, one who the scripture so had temperament, vacillated. If he could kick Vashti out, what chance does she have? And yet God would use that woman to change the heart of that man because of a love that he gave her to manifest to him and for obviously a lineage that would preserve Israel in that time. It's a wonderful film. Didn't scope it out in its entirety, but what I appreciated again was the difference in how they presented these two women who were characters as Esther. I appreciated that there was a simplicity in this one from the 2000. And that in its simplicity, there was a vulnerability with strength. To capture a quivering lip while posed as one who was strong and being adorned in the regalia of a queen, not having yet entered into that position, but being prepared for it. And the words that she would hear from Ahasuerus, which would be this, up to half my kingdom, ask, and you shall have up to half my kingdom. God does better than that. He says, you're in love with me. You get all my kingdom. You get the keys to the kingdom. Ahasuerus could promise Vashti in this film, up to half my kingdom. Ask what you will. Ask what you will. So if I went to the cross to ask for a cat... Is anybody able to say, but what I would ask is harder. Really, a 19-year-old cat that has to do a mountain climb and be found specifically according to prayer on a porch after three and a half days in the cold, one day was in the heat, one day or two was in the cold, a little bit of rain, and that cat ascended on our mountain drive to be protected by two people who didn't know us. We were living in a 
miracle because God had, for one thing, just to say to us, I answer prayers. It wasn't the moment that I wanted it. I wanted to have like victory in Jesus on Thursday night. But I got victory in Jesus on Saturday afternoon. That's where I'm going with this. Is that we as his bride, it says this. She who causes shame is like rottenness in his bones. This is true. The Lord can say this. Ah, she who causes me shame is as rottenness to my bones. But what the Lord says is this. From my bones and the marrow in them, the blood that resourced from it, that flowed through my veins, that was shed for you, I took the shame. I've taken the blame. I'm the one that for your sake and for my love for you have done it all. There's no scales that you have to be in fear of looking on. I remove them from you. I know others are weighing you in the balance and finding you wanting. I'm not. I want you. In the book of Revelation, the first church is identified as one whom Jesus loves, commends in many ways, but says correctively, you've left your, left your first love. Every single one of us can say, oh, that is me. That's me again. <sighs> That's me for the multiple times of having done it the first time, committing it time after time after time after time in pursuit of the things that in time just turn to rust and chaff. And so that's kind of what I did. I celebrated the delivery of a kitty that now, guess what, requires of me, which I didn't have before I was liberated. Now I'm back to doing two cat boxes. I'm back to negotiating. Okay, go in your corners. Cat over here, cat over there, dog over there. Hold on. It was so simpler when she was gone, but it was so painful in her absence. I was void because my queen loves cats. I'm a dog guy. But for the sake of my queen, I prayed and we prayed. For the sake of the Lord's queen, his bride, shall we pray? Can we take this and say, that's what I want. I want a triumphant position in the church, which is simply this. I'm his bride. We're his bride. I'm without spot and wrinkle. Even though things are messed up in my life, I am without spot and wrinkle. However, there are things that I can do that position me closer to him and therefore identify me with him with no ambiguity. We need to say, because I've been getting even texts on things that relate to the divisions that are happening within the church because of dysfunction, a brother out of concern for what he says has been hugely significant in his life, a more excellent way. It's, it's a ministry that convenes on understanding God's love and how to break both addictions as well as dysfunction. 
Ahasuerus wasn't a guy you'd say as girls, Woo! What a man! Most of the women here would say, Oh, what an orc. What a bad person to think that he could have any woman in the kingdom, and he could, and then to presume that he could take one from a nation that wasn't even his and essentially defile her, and she submits to the plan of God, becomes queen over the Persian Empire, and liberates her people. Her day is still celebrated, the day of Purim, and which because of her placement at such a time as now, she saved her generation. So both husbands and wives, we should always say, then, great. God doesn't want me to step on the scales to condemnation, but he does want me in pursuit of what by conviction will liberate me and empower the prayers that are prayed over me and deliver to me what he always has in his nature to have expressed through me. If God is love and love is of God, that means if we are loveless, he, by his spirit, can create in us that which is not found. Just like Gracie, she was not found. But in three and a half days, she was found. Because of prayer, and I honestly believe because of a picture to give to you, you never know what God will do until you ask him, will he do the impossible and what it is you don't have. If you don't have love, you're in contradiction to the nature and attributes of God. Therefore, can we be brave enough to say, Lord, Esther loved Ahasuerus, and he'd been with many women. Esther began to love him because her purpose was understood as it was directed by Mordecai, as for such a time as this, Esther. And she got on her face and prayed, ordered a fast, was patient, but ultimately she submitted the church we need to submit. It moves in different ways, but to be in the excellency of a bride, we are under the king who crowns us and to be in the excellency of a marriage. We are to be men who love our wives. Women are to be those who respect their husbands. It's not perfect, but it gets perfected as we agree to try it, step into it, not move away from it, but to say, Lord, you can enable me. You can enable me because I don't want to accept nothing, 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 only to get the something that isn't the something that you want me to have. I want what you desire. And Lord, it's not half your kingdom. You as God, as my king, and as my bridegroom, have given me the keys of the kingdom. I want nothing less. And I want to be everything and more that you've ordained me to be. And so that's how far we got in chapter 12. Just because I chose to watch Esther last night 
celebrating with my bride that Gracie returned. And now I will serve my wife by serving my cats and my dog even better. I can do the cat box better. I can keep the bowls up to their levels better because I know what it was like when one of my problems left. And now they've returned and I'm not bothered by the problem anymore. I'm a problem solver. I'll love them and I'll see what God wants to do with them.